The scripture reading today is from the book of Acts. First, a reading from Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. Once the council members heard these words, they were enraged and began to grind their teeth at Stephen. But Stephen, enabled by the Holy Spirit, stared into heaven and saw God's majesty and Jesus standing at God's right side. He exclaimed, Look, I can see heaven on display and the human one standing at God's right side. At this, they shrieked and covered their ears. Together they charged at him, threw him out of the city, and began to stone him. The witnesses placed their coats in the care of a young man named Saul. As they battered him with stones, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, accept my life. Falling to his knees, he shouted, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Then he died. And now a reading from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Meanwhile, Saul was still spewing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, seeking letters to the synagogues in Damascus. If he found persons who belonged to the way, whether men or women, these letters would authorize him to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. During the journey, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven encircled him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are harassing, came the reply. Now get up and enter the city. You will be told what you must do. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection. Friends, would you pray with me? God, we are thankful uh, for uh, everything you're doing in our, the life of our community. So we ask that as we uh, open up your word, that your word uh, would form us as a community, um, as we li listen to the witness of members in our community, um, from our two co-preachers today, um, and as we seek to struggle through the text and discern what is that you're saying to us, God? Would you 
producing us, God, this discernment and an awareness of what you're up to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I'm uh, very delighted uh, to be co-preaching today with uh, two people who I consider uh, good friends, not just leaders in our community. So we have Kenny here and Amanda. We're going to get to their stories in a little bit. Um, They are uh, leaders in our community, but also people who I consider um, friends. Uh, And I think that that is... That kind of relational foundation is really great for us uh, today, even as we struggle through the text and kind of wrestle through it together, um, kind of just have a conversation about it as well. So um, I'm going to just list out some observations from the, our story that, that Rhonda uh, just read um, and kind of pose just like some quick observations um, through it. And I'd invite you to actively interrogate things that I have to say as well, just because I have this really ornate thing happening happening right now, that doesn't mean that I'm the authoritative voice on um, these matters, but that God speaks to us as a community, right? Like, we all have the Spirit of God, and so I'd invite you to to be as engaged as you can be um, in this uh, conversation, yeah? Uh, our passage today mirrors a situation that's very much like our own. In Acts, uh, the earliest disciples, we were living in a time, uh, confronted with this reality that God is doing something very different than what they've initially anticipated. It's something new. It's something disruptive. And there's no roadmap for where they're going. Uh, and so there's only this trust You get a sense that there is this trust in the leading of the Spirit of God who is with God's people, who is faithful to God's promises. And there's this trust there in the witness of the Spirit. A witness or testimony is a prominent theme in Acts. It's how the earliest disciples of Jesus describe themselves. Uh, They don't refer themselves as Christians. They're called Christians by other people. They don't refer to themselves as Christians. The, how the earliest disciples uh, like to describe themselves is witnesses. They are witnesses to this new thing that God is doing among them. Uh, we might refer to this reality as the inbreaking of the kingdom. The kingdom that is not of this world. The kingdom that Jesus brings. The story of Stephen's martyrdom bears witness to this reality. This is a reality that Paul or Saul in this passage uh, resists. And this is how these two stories are connected. Uh, Stephen represents this faithful witness, and Paul represents somebody who is actively resisting the witness of the Spirit of God. Since it's Pride Sunday, I thought that this was such a fitting theme. For me and many others, the strongest argument uh, for inclusion of LGBTQ plus folks in the church has always been the testimony of queer Christians themselves. It's never been anyone else but this collective testimony. And today we have the opportunity to listen to uh, that testimony today. Um, As I said, I'm joined by two leaders in our church who served in various capacities and have contributed very beautifully to the life of our community. Please uh, introduce yourselves if you are comfortable. You can also introduce pronouns as well and how long you've been at City Church for. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Amanda. I use she, her pronouns, and I've been at City Church since um, October of 2020, so like two and a half, 
Turn off yours. And I'm Kenny Oyedeji. Um, I use the pronouns he, him, and I've been at City Church, wow, I think like 10 years now. That went by really quickly. So, uh, wow. But I'm thankful and grateful to be here, and uh, yeah, just encouraged. Yeah. Is, uh, when was the anniversary of tenure? Like, did it happen recently, or? Um, I need to actually ask Jason. He knows. Okay. kind of tracking me, so. Uh. Okay. <laughs> That's exciting. But yeah, I don't remember the exact date, because I was kind of, uh, at that place, particular place in my journey, I was just, you know, trying to be very under the radar with church. Okay. So I would kind of just slide in at the back and just slide right out. So I, it's, it's a little fuzzy. Okay. As to when exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. That was like when we were all growing up, and I don't know if this, maybe I'm just assuming here, but they, people talked about spiritual birthdays. Does anyone, do you remember this? When people are like, when did you actually become a Christian? No. <laughs> um, so it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Um, sorry. Uh, you can just totally forget that. We're going to edit that out. Um, or maybe we need to start it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we, need to we need to bring it back. That's right. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, how does this story land with you? I feel like um, it's kind of a well-known story, like both um, Paul's conversion and uh, the stony of Stephen. How does it land with you, like, today? Um, and uh, if you want to speak also particularly, like, the theme of witness in the story, um, how does that overlap with your own as a queer Christian? Um, yeah, any of, any of that you want to engage? Oh, sure. Um, so for me, looking at uh, witness in this passage, it's just in sort of in my life, um, you know, talking, thinking about being Christian, you know, I was a person who grew up in church um, with my mom kind of being the spiritual center of our household, and so I was at church all the time, Wednesday, Sunday, Sunday nights, you know, and other nights. Um, and I think over the time, um, really trying to, and I had a, we had a, a a pastor at that church that specifically really wanted us to sort of work out, work out our faith with fear and trembling. And so with that, you do a lot of looking. You do a lot of uh, watching. You do a lot of observing. And then you do a lot of learning about yourself. Um, and so when I got to the place of, you know, coming out to California, going to seminary, I went to undergrad and was like a church music major, um, thinking about those things, when I started realizing like, oh, Something's a little different here. I'm a little different. And I had two mentors as well uh, that both uh, ended up, you know, coming out eventually but wanted to really have a heart to serve. You really think about and look at, like, okay, well, what is Jesus really about? What are we really about? Um, is this way, a path to follow? Are the examples that have been set in front of me um, things in ways that I think are really true to who God is? Um, and so... With that, I mean, a lot of it, I just had a lot of people in my life that would, I would just watch them and listen to them and sort of learn from them and learn from their, the witness and the things they were speaking, especially when it finally started coming out that like, oh, you know, I'm gay or I'm a lesbian, really, that almost clued me in even further mm. to hearing how despite all that, despite all the adversity they faced, they really had a calling and they really... Um, were able to speak out of tough circumstances in their life, but that above it all, um, they were really bound to Jesus and really bound to 
the work of the church. Mm. Uh, and I sort of look at that as like similar to, you know, Stephen who had had this uh, vision and mm. saw Jesus on the right hand of God. Um, and then people thought he was crazy and people thought that, you know, he was, you know, being blasphemous and they stoned him to death and, uh, which is mortifying to think about. Uh, but, um, but with that, I look at that kind of like that level of witness and commitment and sort of wonder like what that looks like in my life mm. and how I can continue to sort of really truly weave that in along with who I am. So that's kind of how I see uh, witness for me. It's like not only just words, but actually living. Um, not that we need to put ourselves in a position that uh, causes us to like lose our lives. I hope that that is never a thing. Um, in some countries it is, so I'm thankful for that freedom here. Um, but just being able to really um, look and see beyond all of our, the theology that's given to us, the theology that we think, and really being able to look forward to speak truth, to understand truth, to receive truth, uh, to be kind to others, to uh, help the oppressed, to help those who uh, are, are uh, less than. So that's my long, version, like, long yeah. answer for that. Thank you. Um, I have some stuff written down. I can't speak quite off the cuff like that, but um, I feel like the theme of, of witness in the story is interesting to me because, like you mentioned, like the early Christians called themselves witnesses, but in this story, the witnesses are like their witnessing is not a negative thing. They're kind of enraged at what Christian is, or I'm sorry, what Stephen is saying. Mm. Um, they are gnashing their teeth and setting down their coats to Saul so they can like have mobility to stone Stephen. Um, and so it's notable that like the act of witnessing here is not positive for them, especially as they move from witnesses to participating in Stephen's death. And I think somewhere I see overlap is, is kind of what um, Kenny touched on of like, Stephen is compelled to speak the truth. Like he quite literally cannot shut up to save his life. And that like leads to his death. And he is filled with like the spirit um, and sees the glory of God and Jesus at the right hand of God. And like, he has to tell people that. And I think that that is like a parallel I see in my story and a story of a lot of queer Christians of like you get to a point where you can no longer deny what you see with your eyes or what you know to be true about um, who you are and how you see the world and how you see God and um, I think sometimes people get really mad about that they can sh they can shout and curse and um, you know they'll write laws to strip away our rights and our health care and they'll tell us not to say gay they'll ban books out of fear that someone reading it might be um, encouraged or emboldened by that queerness and I think even with that, I see a lot of queer Christians still try to have grace with their family members or their loved ones who are still like on this journey of figuring out how to affirm and celebrate their queerness. Um, and they're still holding on to the fact that they know God and they see God. And so we have grace towards the, the people that are throwing stones in a sense of like wondering if they know what they're doing and asking God to not hold this sin of homophobia um, against them. And another thing that I think is interesting is, like, the witnesses in the story, are, are they're trying to shut Stephen up. They don't want him to keep talking about the things that he knows to be true. Um, and they want to kill him to stop the message that he's sharing, but they don't succeed. Like, we're still here today talking about Stephen and his words and his message. Mm. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think something when I think about the long history of, of queerness and the kind of where we all fit into this time and space that of of queerness being something that has existed for so long and will continue on um, far past our own lives and how that kind of um, message keeps, keeps going. Thank you. 
Um, I heard two things in what you were saying. Uh, there's a more of like vocation, like calling, like and even uh, this maybe a sense of like responsibility of like being able to um, translate or like carry your faith like forward, right, um, in time and and not just like let it stay in the past or what it was, but what it means now, like for you. Um, and then also this, um, I think this muscle like that we need to use as Christians, like to tell the truth, um, just seem like two prominent um, things. Um, I think that there's also what's kind of lost in the passage is that um, there's this sense that we've lost the the cost of what it means to to do that, like uh, that there is a real cost to bearing witness, like to telling the truth, um, to speaking our truth, right? Um, And I feel like that needs to just be named because often the experience like of following Jesus is one of having to uh, give up like comfort or convenience. Um, And so the masterful commentary uh, that we all rave about here at City Churches, Willie Jennings' Acts commentary, and in that commentary he talks about something so obvious when you read Acts that, like, the disciples, like, don't want to follow where the Spirit is leading. Like, you can almost, like, feel that there's, like, a a sense of, like, I don't, I want to follow, but there's also, like, this cost to it. Um, And I think that that's um, really true to the experience of what it, it, it feels like to really live out your faith. Um, and uh, that's where, like, this shift kind of occurs, like, for Paul, I think, as well, like, um, where he starts to realize um, the cost. Um, and those, that cost, like, comes from the words of Jesus himself, right? Um, Jesus who reveals to Paul that he's unknowingly working in, obs- in opposition to God's movement. Uh, the very people that Paul is persecuting are the very people who God stands in solidarity with. And uh, I wonder what that felt like for Paul. Like, it probably wasn't that moment where it, it dawned on him. It was probably like a process of realizing, like, oh, like, I am actually in opposition to God. Uh, I'm actually opposing God by opposing these people. Um, and I wonder, like, what it what it meant for Paul to kind of go through this process of realizing he needed to give up certain things. Um, and so I want to transition into, like, our own experience of, like, that cost of, like, what it means to um, be stretched, I guess, and, like, be led into, like, what's uncomfortable. Uh, did you have, like, a conversion experience, like, Paul, uh, a shift where you realized that God was calling you to move outside your comfort zones or your theological paradigms uh, or communities, maybe? Um, did that happen for you? Not that it had to either, because everyone is different, right? So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I had a, a experience like that um, a couple years ago. So this was in, in 2019, and I, like, I think after the election, the 2016 election, I was really grappling with kind of the faith that I had grown up with, um, and the people in, in that faith and kind of what we believed in and what we thought were true. And I really wanted to know more about like why we believed what we believed and kind of um, how to how to practice my faith in a way that was more liberating and, and a way that was flourishing for, for all people. But I, I didn't know how to like do that. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know 
of faith traditions that like did that in my in my Christian experience. Um, so I put together this like uh, personal syllabus where I had a couple like themes that I wanted to explore, and I tried to um, find you know different books and podcasts and people to learn from that um, helped me kind of like reconstruct what was torn down for me and kind of building or showing me better ways to live out um, the Christian faith. And so I, I, um, I, I, yeah, I took the year and kind of like looked into, I, I based it off of um, the verse in, in Micah 6, 8 of like um, uh, act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with God. And so there were um, different themes that I explored. And I feel like that really helped me to understand again, like the history of, of where certain beliefs came from for me and kind of like how to reconstruct that. Um, I think that was, it was really one part of the experience that I really appreciated was that I didn't feel like I was going to like lose God in that. And I, I know that's not everyone's experience, but I think my experience in that was like, I I felt like I, I, I couldn't lose God. Like I, I felt like I was like drawing or trying to draw closer to God. And I was lucky to like be surrounded by um, this community of people that were also doing similar things at the, at the same time. And I think that helped me to not feel alone in that process. Um, but yeah, it, it changed my life. I, I became affirming. I became like, I was able to step into my own queerness from that. Um, that was also the year that I, I was in the Faith and Justice Network at the end of the year. And so that kind of led into that as well. Um, but I, that also caused me to like leave the churches that I was a part of at that time. I was like helping with this, um, church plans and I was really I asked one time of like what do we what do we think about queer people and like why aren't we we should you know be um, public about what we think and and um, there were there were just lots of questions and, and communities that were, I were a part of that I realized like I couldn't be a part of anymore but I still had a community of, of people that um, loved me and, and loved God and were trying to like live that out together so I think that helped me to feel that I wasn't completely lost and completely on my on my own really cool. Um, and for me, um, my journey was kind of interesting. Um, you know, as a person, uh, as a person of color, uh, you sort of, through your life, you learn how to exist in spaces uh, that aren't necessarily uh, built for you. You learn to, uh, to learn to hold a lot of tension and a lot of in-between. You know, I know uh, for me, personally growing up, I was always... Uh, yeah, constantly caught in between things, right? So uh, my parents are both from Africa. They came from Nigeria. They immigrated. So you have that piece where it's like you're not, uh, I wasn't like, I was African and not black. And I was like, then I also went to a lot of private schools, so I speak very proper. So I was not, you know, I wasn't black enough either. Um, then, you know, amongst your friends, then you're a Christian. So you constantly, you know, you're constantly like learning how to navigate and how to hold that tension um, so when it came to church, I mean, you never really thought, I never really, uh, I think I was just engaged uh, in church so much that I never really zoomed out to think about uh, how I need to sort of move in the world on my own that would fully embrace all of my qualities and features and then eventually queerness. And it was definitely much later on um, in my journey. Um, but you learn how to hold that tension. And so with churches, you know, I would, I would go and be part of these communities and even the seminary that I went to and all these things, and I would just learn how to sort of suppress my own being to be a part of this thing. Um, and it wasn't necessarily, um, like, 
there was, it was just like well, homosexuality, gayness, queerness was never really spoken about, right? Um, but then eventually you kind of get to the place where, for me, um, there was just this dissonance that I could no longer deal with, especially seeing one of uh, a dear friend of mine uh, and also a mentor who had dedicated her life uh, to raising a lot of these kids and the people's kids in the church. She was doing music at this church in San Francisco. Um, there was like, she was fully, fully committed to making sure that uh, people in the community and God's name was raised above all else. And then you see this sort of story of her just really being uh, persecuted and, you know, because, you know, eventually she came out and it became this thing. Uh, so then at that point, that's when I realized, okay, I need to, I need to, this is not going to end well for me if I don't do something. Um, and so, but at the, at the core of my being, I always knew that, like, God was for me, hmm. regardless of whatever and whomever, but just trying to find a space. And at that particular time, there were really no inclusive churches that really preached the word of God and that really had a lot of the ideals because it wasn't like I wanted to throw it all away. Hmm. I just wanted to add to it. Um, and so I think it was just, it was kind of just a journey that wasn't, uh, I really had to rethink my theology, um, and it wasn't necessarily a journey that was very straightforward. I even put myself in other places that were like, well, and even City Church, too, at that point, was, it was kind of like, well, maybe they're cool with this, but we're just <laughs> going to check it out, and, you know, all the things that I was seeing, and just, you know, uh, what he'd done with City Hope, I was like, okay, I think these people really care about people. So, you know, fast forward, um, here we are, and I'm thankful for it. Um, but it was definitely a very slow and gradual thing where you learn to hold the tension, you learn to uh, eventually um, connect with people and have conversations with people. And uh, you're able to put a lot of the, in on the internal strife that you deal with, the internal struggle that you deal with, and get, put your energy, like stop putting your energy there, but start to put the energy into the community, into the people that you're uh, talking to, into the relationships that are building, and into uh, more and more and more inclusion. I think the, uh, the most interesting thing is like, it used to be that like, oh, I have to come out to my Christian friends as gay. And then you have, now you have to like come out to your gay friends as Christian. It's mm. really very interesting. Um, and that is in and of itself very, like for, you know, a lot of uh, queer Christians, or a lot of queer people have a church story. It's very rare that they don't. Uh, and there was some rejection and some of that. Mm. So it's, to them, you, even though we, you know, are, as a queer person, it's weird and queer and different. Being a church person that is gay or you know, lesbian, transgender, is also very weird to the other side. So it's interesting how you know, there's this kind of sure. crossover. So, um, but yeah, had to leave some communities, had to leave some friends, but at the end of the day, I've gained a lot. Um, and you know, I remember leaving that and going, I'm never, I don't think I'll ever like, lead worship in a church again. And it's, here we are today. <laughs> so. Wow. I, I was, um, as you both were talking, like, the question that kept on coming up is, like, what, what kept you grounded, you know, like, in those moments? Because uh, you alluded to this, some of this, Amanda, where you talked about, like, the communities that you were part of, like, helped you not fear, right? Um, and I'm just, like, how, like, what kept you grounded in that moment? Like, what kept you confident? Maybe if we were alluding back to, like, the story of Stephen and, like, how he's, he's so confident. In, in this faith that is, like, leading him? Like, what kept you grounded? What, what gave you um, confidence? I think for me, I just, I just, I know in my being 
that, and I've seen just the things that God and Christ have done. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things, like, once you see it, you just cannot, you can no longer deny it. Um, and I knew that all the way, I was always, there was always a hand there to protect me, to guide me. There was a sense that there's more, um, and there's a sense that I had to keep on, regardless of whatever, whomever, um, whatever things may come. So I don't know. I, I mean, it's not a, a definitive answer, but I just always sort of knew in my, hmm. I, I never, I never, even in my most um, confused moments, I just never doubted God. I just doubted the way that we were sort of navigating to that, the theology. I never really doubted that God was here for people. Um, it, it was, yeah, they just would be so counterintuitive to uh, the character of God. So I was like, I don't, I don't, I know for a fact that there is a way. We just have to figure out a way to do this better. Mm. So, hmm. yeah. Did you want to add? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I do think that, um, yeah, my, a lot of my, my friends and family that kind of went through that experience with me, I was really lucky. I had a lot of support. Um, but I think I was also, I think like Kenny and I, I think like a lot of us, maybe and a lot of queer Christians or people that have grown up in the church, I think you you do, I had a sense that like God loved me and like God loved people. And I think that like, I couldn't shake that really. Um, and I think I like, even as I was kind of grappling and wrestling with a lot of um, theology, I, I think I kept coming back to like two things that I, I thought were true, which is that God is good and I carry the image of God in me as does everyone I meet. And if I like act out of those things or like try to practice my faith in line with those things, then I, I think I'm on, I'm, I'm on a good path. Um, so I think I tried to like keep those in mind. And yeah, again, just kind of like looking at the, the long history of all the, all the people that come before us. I think that's something that always um, kind of helps me of like, we are, I, we are not like alone in this wrestling and people have been doing this um, for so long. And like finding those people, I think I, I found a lot of, I knew a lot of, I knew, I followed a lot of queer Christians online um, before I knew any in, in real life. And I think that was even really helpful of like, people have been making the space in, in their traditions um, for a long time. And yeah, kind of keeping that in mind um, and knowing that like where, wherever I landed, I, I could find community. I could find people to kind of keep going with. Uh, so final, final thoughts and reflections. Um, what's interesting in the passage, uh, is something I noticed uh, that I haven't noticed previous is that uh, when Stephen has a vision of Christ, uh, Christ is not sitting at the right hand of God, but Christ is standing. Like, this is Christ, uh, this is Jesus, like, in, in, in his glorified state, standing at the right hand of God, like, testifying to Stephen's uh, death, right? Um, And that's really interesting to me. Uh, When we speak about pride, ultimately, we're speaking about a movement of solidarity um, where, you know, even if uh, it's not my thing as somebody who doesn't identify as queer, um, uh, the railroad represents a spectrum of experiences, um, and identities, and so like even those who are marching today, it's like we march, uh, uh, we're marching together even though it's like not necessarily, uh, you might not personally identify with it, but we're standing in solidarity um, with each other. 
Um, in 2015, our church uh, took its first steps to become fully inclusive. Um, I call that first steps because that's what they were. Um, we're a different church today. Um, I'm curious to hear uh, how, what is your personal invitation to this community and how we can stand in deeper solidarity uh, with our queer siblings. No pressure. Um, yeah, that, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I feel like there's this um, quote from this um, Jewish poet, Emma Lazarus, that says, until all of us are free, none of us are free. And I think that's the like broader theme that I think can guide us to solidarity with, with lots of groups, not just queer people, but like knowing that like when if we create a better world for the most marginalized among us, that helps all of us, that helps all of us to thrive. You can see this in like the racial justice movement, you can see this in like the disability politics movement. Um, you know, when we ha when we fight for trans rights, that also helps us fight for women and gender nonconforming people and like allowing us to live free of um, roles that like society places on us. So I think like keeping that in mind when you when you think of what solidarity looks like of like you are it isn't real it is about you know fighting for others but you are also knowing that your liberation is bound up with other people's and fighting for um us together um and yeah i think just like recognizing the historical moment that we're in and, and pushing back against um some of that when you can this is definitely safer for our straight friends and our cis friends to do um so much of the same rhetoric that took place in the 70s and 80s against gay people are now being recycled against trans people and trans kids and all of it is rooted in fear and this idea that like the ideal way to be is cisgender and heterosexual and being queer is like fine but it's kind of less than that and I think like not conceding that ground that like it's it's not fine it's a gift it's a gift and a joy to be queer and like mm. in all the different ways that we can be queer um and knowing that like living into that freedom for ourselves like provides a beacon that um, allows other people to live into that freedom for what that means for them. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of kind of where I, I wanna like, I think that's something I, I think about for my own self as well. Um, in our queer theology group, we had discussions around like, how do we balance kind of like our own safety and comfortability with also this idea of what pride is as a protest as like standing up against these things. Um, because I think that that can be like a tension that we hold of like, I want, I want to be safe, I want to be comfortable, but I also know that I only have the rights and the freedom I have because other people died for it and because they, they stood for it and they fought for it. And like, how do I balance um, that tension? In order, and I think part of that is telling the truth and being, knowing that there's like a cost to telling the truth, but um, not wanting to keep peace, not wanting to let the desire to like keep peace be stronger than our desire to want to speak the truth and, and be witnesses to what that is. Ditto. <laughs> how, do, how do you follow that up, right? Um, yeah, I mean, first, I think that, uh, you know, I'm just reflecting back over the 2015 till now, and I just want to, uh, to acknowledge that there's been a lot, of, a lot of work that a lot of us have done uh, to get to this place, and I want to thank you all. Uh, for the first time in my life, this was a place where I could really, truly bring my full self. Um, and, you know, I was part of, like, the one of uh, the uh, LGBTQ CG. Um, and it's come a long way. And it's been amazing to see uh, folks re-engage. Uh, it's been amazing to see people find other queer friends uh, that can share in faith and talk about the difficult things. Um, it's been great uh, to see 
more representation in our elder board um, and uh, just to see more representation amongst us. So I want to just tell you guys all thank you from the bottom of my heart for, uh, for sticking around, for sticking it out, for wrestling with your own theologies, wrestling with uh, the things that make you comfortable and uncomfortable and really being open um, to really seeing and opening the, uh, widening the tent and letting there be more cover over all of us. Um, and I don't think we're done yet. Uh, and I know sometimes it can get exhausting. Um, but at the same time, I just think that, uh, you know, Christ really sought out um, those that were on the, on the edges, on the fringes. Um, and this should be a place where everybody can feel welcome and loved and that we can also learn uh, about the Bible, learn about God, learn about how to do community uh, and how to do it better and continuing to keep reaching out and keep. So that's my admonition is like, keep exploring, keep questioning, keep having those conversations. Um, and uh, I think that God is really glorified in that. Um, I think, you know, as more people are liberated, the boat, all of our boats rise, right? Mm. And, um, and I know that, uh, I, I don't know if a lot of you, I live in Los Angeles now, um, but when I'm down there, people talk about City Church. Uh, people talk about what's been done here and the people here and the massive shift that we had to make and the changes that it's making now. So I also want you to know that. Uh, and it makes me proud. I'm bummed to leave the Bay Area, but I'm super proud that, uh, you know, people are watching and taking, you know, taking examples and taking it to their own congregations. And as we, you know, San Francisco can be very transient. So as, you know, you come and go in various spaces, whether it's San Francisco, wherever, but into your work, into your friend groups, into, uh, and even as queer people, into our queer friend groups and like learning how to support and uh, admonish folks to come on and come be with, um, just to continue to be, um, uh, I just guided and brave and bold and not afraid to uh, press into those areas that are going to be kind of uncomfortable for some people, but in and of, you know, at the end of the day, um, you're probably going to feel very compelled. And with that, with that uh, being compelled, I just uh, ask you to to act, and acting might just be introducing yourself to somebody or having a hard conversation. Um, but I think that that's a place where pride can kind of move us forward every day in all of our situations, wherever we're at, so. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, just go close this in prayer. I, I, don't, I don't have any follow-up to this because I feel like you said it all. So thank you so much for being with us today. Um, and I'm just gonna close this in prayer, thanks. God, we are uh, thankful for the witness of uh, our queer siblings uh, today, those who are with us here on stage in our community and also those who are marching uh, today, um, joining us online. Um, God, we ask that you'd make us a community that stands in solidarity with those whose voices have been silenced, who've been pushed to the margins. Uh, would you make us uh, people who uh, use their power like Christ to stand with others? And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.